Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. We're happy, as always, to have with us in the studio again today, Ron Kangas, to fellowship about our life study of Genesis. Ron, we have our second program today on a life of faith. And our message will begin with Abraham building his second altar. Uh, I wonder if you would review for us the significance of Abraham building altars while human society was building cities and high towers. In reviewing this, I'd like to read directly from the printed and edited Life Study of Genesis. Brother Lee says, An altar means that we do not keep anything for ourselves. An altar means that we realize that we are here on earth for God. An altar means that our life is for God, that God is our life, and that the meaning of our life is God. So we put everything on the altar. We are not here making a name for ourselves. We are putting everything on the altar for the sake of his name. So to build an altar is to declare to God and to all that we are for God, our life is for God, everything we have, are, and can do is for God. This Abraham did when he built the altar. It stands in sharp contrast to human society's endeavors to build cities and towers. Cities, apart from the city of God in the scriptures, signify godless civilization, godless culture. Cities are where human beings in the fall find security without God meet their needs without God, have pleasure without God. A tower signifies the endeavor of fallen human beings to get a name for themselves, to glorify themselves, to exalt themselves. So these two matters are diametrically opposed. On the one hand, fallen man is constructing a godless civilization and erecting monuments to his own pride and vainglory. On the other hand, the called one, living by faith, builds an altar as a testimony that he is here for God, that God is his life, and that everything is for God and for God's purpose. Thank you, Ron. It's clear Abraham was in another realm. I think we can join together looking to the Lord that not only we, but all of our listeners would be delivered into this other realm as well. We need to be delivered from the other realm, and we need to be delivered from compromise between the two realms. We shouldn't try to build an altar on the one hand and a tower on the other. It's either a tower for the self or an altar for God. It cannot be both. 
Let's join Witness Lee for today's live study from Genesis. Abraham built the first altar at Mori. Then, after this, he was traveling. God gave him a spacious land. So, he was traveling. And then, he came to a place. It is quite meaningful. In between Bethel and Ai. On the west was Bethel. On the east was Ai. In between these two, he built another altar. And we know Bethel means the house of God. What is the meaning of Ai? It means the heap of ruins. These two things are just a contrast. What does this mean? This simply means to the eyes of the called ones, only God's house is worthwhile. A cross to God's house, I tell you, is just a heap of ruin. And today with us, the principle is the same thing. On the one hand, we have the basil, the church life, God's house. And opposite to this, we see just a heap of ruins. Everything that is contrary to the church life is a heap of ruins. In the viewpoint of the world, everything so high, so wonderful, so good, but in the point of view of God's covenants, everything opposite to the house of God is a heap of ruin. So, it was at this place, Abraham built the second altar. Very meaningful. Then, the third altar was built at memory. Memory of Hebron. Memory means the strength, and uh, Hebron means fellowship, communion, friendship. It is quite meaningful. It was at this place in chapter 18 that God came to visit Abraham, not just to see him, to appear to him, but to stay with him for quite a long time even to feast with him. We need to have a constant altar at memory in Hebrew. Always keeping us in fellowship with God. Day by day, we have an altar there for us to worship God, to serve him, and to fellowship with him. This is the third altar in Hebrew. Ron, I'd like to interrupt here and ask you about your comments regarding Witness Lee's word that God's house is so precious and everything else is a heap of ruins. This exposition, of course, is based upon the significance of the names Bethel and Ai and based also on the fact that the altar was built between the two. Bethel 
God's house. Today, the church of the living God, the body of Christ, is most precious. It's precious first to the Lord Himself, who in Ephesians is called the Savior of the body. He is the good merchant, the wise merchant, who sold everything he had to buy the pearl of great price. So God's house is precious to God, and it should be precious. To everyone who belongs to God, everyone born of God, everyone one with God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we see the preciousness of God's house, and give ourselves in consecration to God for the building up of His house, as a byproduct, we will realize that everything else is a heap of ruins. Everyone who gives himself and his life to build up a city and a tower will end up with a heap of ruins. Outwardly, he or she may get some kind of fame or glory, but eventually, inwardly, there'll be the sense it's a heap of ruins. Abraham, through God's grace, was enlightened to realize what he was on earth for. God called him out of a demonic heap of ruins, enabled him to live by faith, to pursue something he couldn't see, but to give himself to God for Bethel, for his house. So the Lord, we believe, as the speaking spirit, as the enlightening spirit, is seeking those among the called ones. Who by faith will build an altar, lay everything on it, spurn the world as a heap of ruins, and give their life for the building up of the house of the living God. Thank you, Ron. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for today's life study. As Abraham built the altar, following these, he pitched, he erected the tent. At Babel, people firstly build the city, right? Then build the tower. But with Abraham, he first built the altar. Then he erected the tent. And this means what? This means firstly, he was for God. Firstly, he took care of God's worship. Firstly, he took care of his fellowship with God. Then secondly, he took care of his living. The primary thing with Abraham was to consecrate everything to God, to worship God, and to serve God, and to have fellowship with God. This was the number one thing. Then the number two thing with Abraham was that he erected a tent for him to live in. Don't think this little word tent is a small thing. Let me point out to you in this way. Later on, when the descendants of Abraham were all called out of Egypt and they entered into the wilderness, you know, God gave them the commandment to build a tent. And in front of the tent, God commanded them to build an altar. You see? 
there was an altar with a tent, the tabernacle. And that tabernacle, you may say, was God's house on earth. But you have to see the tent of Abraham was also God's house on earth. Don't you believe that the tent of Abraham was God's house on earth? If you don't believe, you go to chapter 18 of Genesis. You can see God did come home to stay with Abraham in that tent. Don't you believe and don't you realize that Abraham was one of the priests? If he was not a priest, how could he offer the sacrifices to God? He built the altar and he offered the sacrifice to God. Surely he functioned as a priest. Why? Because God's intention that every one of his called ones should be a priest. You are a priest. I tell you, when Abraham was feasting with God in chapter 18, he was the high priest. Don't forget, this is your story. Abraham's history is yours. You dare tell me, don't you have a tent? Don't you have a tent where you always have the Lord's presence? Don't you have a tent where you always face with the Lord? Ron, I believe we're in the midst of a very meaningful life study. I'd like to uh, stop again and look at this point that Witness Lee identified Abraham as a priest with an altar and a tent. And then he turns the question to us. What does he mean when he asks, don't you have a tent? This question is a very compelling inquiry. A tent implies we are aware of earthly temporality that we are sojourners here, that we are seeking something eternal, that we have no fixed and settled destination in this age, that we belong to eternity. This doesn't mean we're impractical. We have jobs, we have families, we have responsibilities, we have places to dwell. But if we're living in a tent, we realize all this is temporary. I'm living here in God's presence in a tent for the eternal tabernacle, the new Jerusalem. The last thing I would say is this, living in a tent indicates that we are sojourners. That is, we are those who can move with God. We are those with whom and through whom God can move. It is a sad situation today that many genuine children of God do not have a tent. They do not move with God, and God cannot move with them. Eventually, in his dealings with them, the Lord may reach the point where he no longer tries to get them to move with him. The Lord's move in every generation is not with city dwellers. It is not with palace dwellers. It is with tent dwellers. Abraham built an altar because everything was for God. Abraham lived in a tent because God was everything to him, and Abraham was one with God 
in his move. Allow me to testify, and this is altogether an issue of the Lord's sovereign mercy and grace. I have built an altar between Bethel and Ai, and I live in a tent. For more than three decades, I've been living the life of an altar and a tent, and I would not exchange this kind of sojourning life for anything in the world. I'm here for God, I'm here for the house of God, and I'm here for the city of God, and for this I live day by day in a tent in the presence of my God. Thank you for the fellowship and also for the very penetrating testimony. Appreciate that. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study today. The worldly people, they don't have such a tent. What they have is a big city. The world people, day by day, they see their great city. Look, this is my corporation. Look, this is my education. Look, this is my uh, attainment. I have such a thing. I have that thing. I have so many things. Oh, I have so many, so many, so many things. But this means nothing. The banks, corporations, all the high attainments, all these are just nothing. Nothing. Temporary. I don't like to have anything constant. I don't like to have. I just like to have a tent with God's presence. I like to have a tent with God's presence. I'm living in such a situation. Yes, sir. Dr. So-and-so, I don't have so much as you do, but I tell you, there's only one thing that I have you don't have. That is God's presence. I have God's presence you don't have. I don't need to go to eternity. Right now, I have God's presence. And I have a little miniature of the New Jerusalem that is my surrounding. My surrounding is just a little tent. Nothing worthwhile in your eyes, but in his eyes, this means a lot. I tell you, this is to pitch a tent. Let me tell you this. Even Abraham didn't know what he was looking after. I don't believe he knew that what he was looking after was the new Jerusalem. Even today, so many Christians don't know. Just by Genesis, we cannot see so much. We have to go to Hebrew 11. In Hebrew 11, it tells us the tent that Abraham was in was a shadow of the tabernacle. And while he was there, living with God, he was looking to a city. And eventually, that city will be the new Jerusalem. Will be the replacement, the eternal tabernacle, to replace that temporary tent in which Abraham lived. It's quite meaningful. If you put all these portions of the world together, you can see, my, the tent of Abraham was just a seed. 
a seed of God's eternal dwelling place. God today still needs this kind of a seed. In you, in me, in all of us, there should be such a seed. We are here living in a tent, looking forward to seeing a country that is much better than the present one. And that country will be, not just a country, will be a tabernacle, an eternal tabernacle, where God and the way, when God will live together for our eternity. This is why in Hebrews 11, it tells us that Abraham didn't have any interest in what was there that he could see. His interest was fully in the other country, in a better country, you see. And eventually the Bible tells us this better country is just the new heaven and the new earth. And these seed of foundations will be just the new Jerusalem, which will be the eternal dwelling place for God and all his called ones. Ron, I felt this last point was a, a tremendous point. Um, I particularly enjoyed the reference to Hebrews chapter 11, where we see that Abraham was looking for a better country and a city. Most Christians seem to be looking forward mainly to heaven. And my question is, is this what Abraham was also looking for? Let me begin my comments this way with a question. Dear brother and sister, what are you looking for? Where is your hope set? Seemingly, to look for a mansion in heaven is something spiritual. Actually, it's something self-centered. It's to look for something that will bring pleasure to ourselves. This may sound somewhat sharp, but I feel responsible in the Lord to speak the truth. So much common talk about heaven has our own personal happiness as the center. Don't get me wrong. In eternity, we will surely be happy together in the Lord. But it will not be a happiness in a heavenly mansion, but rather in the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. We pointed out in a previous fellowship that God called Abraham not merely for Abraham's salvation, but for the fulfillment of God's purpose. God's purpose is to have a corporate expression of himself with his chosen and redeemed people. Based upon this corporate expression, God has a realm in which he may rule, and that realm typified by the city of Jerusalem, is a kingdom. Abraham was looking for the very thing God was looking for. His looking, I believe, is a testimony or an indicator that Abraham was one with God in seeking what God desires. One sign of the deep and genuine seekers today is that as they live a life of the altar and the tent, a life of sojourning on the earth, 
They are seeking what God is seeking, the city of the living God, the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven, and the new earth. Thank you, Ron. I believe we've been enlightened and also very much compelled by both the message and the fellowship. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. May the Lord have mercy on us and gracious abundantly to be one with Him to care for the desire of His heart. You have been listening to the Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1 888 Life Study. That's 888 543 3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, Or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge.